This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 438, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly, a girl with kaleidoscope fanboy pick of the week podcast i pop my pee on that as episode i don't know why i did that it's good thing you Epis- got a pop screen yeah i don't oh episode 400 what are we around comics episode 438 they had they had pop screens i remember i got there the first time i ever went to like do a recording with them i was like oh look at you guys i have one and it's it's much much more noticeable when i'm not using it well i, do, I the thing that you don't know is that i i do shows uh with a with a stocking pulled over my head so <laughs> And then you go rob a bank? Yeah, I mean, I, can't, I like having the option. I just okay. I want to have the freedom for it. I have a, yeah. I have a pop filter. Now. Mine doubles as a dream catcher. That's nice. <laughs> right up to my window. Yeah. Mine apparently doubles as a pollution catcher looking at it. I never yeah. even actually looked at it I bet before. It, I bet it smells delicious. Ooh. There's probably bacteria on this. Let's I would, continue with the show. I would say there's bacteria on everything. My name yeah. is Josh Flanagan. I have bacteria all over me. Joining me are Paul Montgomery. Hey there. Festering with bacteria. And, of course, bac- bacteria pool. Connor Kilpatrick. There's a lot of ways we could go with that one. I'll Ooh. go with the one that's going to get me the least amount of trouble and say, hey, hello. You take a pill, it's all fine. <laughs> we <laughs> are iFanboy. We like comics and every well, for certain certain maladies. Others, not so much. It burns uh, for a while and it's over. Yeah, but you want to take care of it or you go insane. We like <laughs> comics and every week we read a lot of them. Uh, one of us picks the best one they read. We do that in a cycle. See, one week it's my week, another week it's the other week. It's it's not just random, and I, I feel like I implied that. I want to make sure you understand. Paul, we're we the other. The pick of the week. Uh, we talk about it on the podcast. We're going to talk about other books from the week and some other stuff. We will try to be humorous and informative at the same time, but also stay on a course. So it, it takes a lot of effort to do this show. We, Before we, we get going, rolling like a train. Yes. Yeah, that's what I, I just I want. I feel like I need the validation right now. Before we get going, we are going to talk about what happens in the book. So as you may or may not understand, that means that if you haven't read them, they'll be completely ruined. The uh, colloquialism for that is a spoiler. So watch out for spoilers. 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 Paul, you had the pick. Have you guys ever read a comic and finished it only to find you have a horrible case of the flop sweats? Because yeah, Deadly Class, because I, I read my I read my comics while walking down the street in Manhattan in July. <laughs> Deadly Class number five um, was I thought a very very sensuous sensual comic book is a feast for the senses is what I'm saying. Uh, Rick Remender, Wes Craig, Lee Lowridge. Um, this is this is sort of a raucous issue, and it and it totally delivers on the promise of the previous issue about. Bad things happening while on acid. This is an acid trip issue. I want to know if anybody read this on acid. If you did read this <laughs> while you were on acid, please comment on the comment. When I mentioned online, email. yeah, when I mentioned online that this was the pick, there were a lot of people like it. Really accurately depicts what an acid trip is like. And my only experience—I mean, I last time I talked about my only experience was lo- local urban acid. legends, and then that episode of Taxi with Reverend Jim. 
Um, yeah, that was that's why I brought that up. Um, so this is this is just an extended trip, and even if it weren't an acid trip, it would still be a very exciting issue because we've got Marcus, our main character, teenager, who has you know some some issues of abuse from his past, from his childhood, and he is helping. And maybe that's part of the reason that he's agreed to help out this other kid kill his dad. Um, they're going to Las Vegas and they're going to uh, kill his father because you can't kill your dad on your own. No, you need a little a bit of backup. A team of highly responsible teenage killers. Exactly. While, while tripping balls. While tripping <laughs> balls, exactly. And so they're so they're in their hotel room and like we're going to do this. And the whole time Marcus is going through this, you know, this weird cognitive experience where he's paranoid, really anxious second guessing himself he's hallucinating it's like uh, you know a daffy duck cartoon in parts of it just hyper expressive and i mean it's like there 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 are moments in here where he's so freaked out that he you know looks like you know that painting the scream like he's just his face is all contorted and everything and he eventually does uh, help kill this other kid's father and he goes on the run and What's great about this, there's this great framing device where he's being – he's in an interrogation room talking to a policeman and you assume, you know, that there's – we know this murder is coming up. Um, we assume that it's, you know, part of that but it's actually because he was underage and in a casino and played the slots because – In there. Because in Mr. There. T said that you'd be a fool if you didn't um, in this Mr. T-themed slot machine. And so we, so they, you know, they bring him in and say, listen, you know, you made all this, you made this money. We'll let you go, but just we keep the money. And he's like, okay, fine. Because he knows that he's got this murder on his hands. I, I mean, feel like he was keeping the money. That's just, yeah. Oh, well, right, right. Well, yeah. Either way. This corrupt, you know, security guy at the, at the casino. Right. Um, uh, it's not corrupt. Everybody gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got the taste, Paul. Squeaky wheel yeah, gets the taste. It's part of the it's part of the gig. You don't take that gig. You don't expect to get your beak a little wet. Mm-hmm. I've seen the wire. I know how it works. Paul, did that's, you? That's did the, you? No, that's that's no. a whole, no. Oh. no casino. Okay, come on. Paul, did you or desert. Josh? Either one of you may feel free to answer. I was you? actually thinking of a different uh, uh, Scorsese film. I was thinking of After Hours, where it's just this this raucous chase, and one thing leads to another, and it's it's completely absurd. It was in addition to this murder and this whole casino thing. There's this this uh, you know jilted uh, ex boyfriend who is very angry at this kid because even though Marcus is after the other girl, this 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 one girl is after him and she decides that you know this would be a great opportunity to create the beast with two backs. Am I allowed did to say that on read, this podcast? Yes. Did you guys okay. read the uh, letter in the back from Rick Remender? Yeah, that was my favorite part. We've talked in the past or in the past. It's only been it's only been four five issues, but we talked about this book about how it's. Rick bleeding on the page very viscerally. Yeah, yeah. And in the back of this issue, he has a little essay explaining uh, that the events in this issue are loosely based on two separate events in his life. Uh, well, all the events are true other than the murder part. <laughs> one Thanks. is the uh, the tripping balls part. The other is getting beat down uh, part. And it was a very interesting essay. The bit on the elevator where he's like, I don't know what to say on an elevator. What are you supposed to say on an great. elevator? I don't know elevator etiquette. That, that felt like it has to be, you know, ripped from the headlines of Rick Remender's life. That was like a scene out of Louie. Mm-hmm. The thing is, there's a lot of, tr- you know, tropes, genre tropes, but this this book, it's a school for assassins and what have you. But we've talked about it before. The, the real draw of this book for me is how real it feels because 
Rick is drawing on his life or his at least his emotional life in this case some specifics but it feels so real and relatable even though I have not been in a merger school and or been tripping on acid in a casino in Vegas I still feel very close to these characters because of it the emotional reality of it yeah which is yeah. wonderful and this issue in particular like the assassin school like hardly even plays a role I mean it, this could just no. be like two kids could who, be any group of teenagers committing a murder committing a murder Vegas. right kind yeah. of Kind of the, uh, the assassin was kind of the least interesting part of the whole series for me. Yes, uh, and I think that like the the emotional truth, the the whichever, and, and by reading that, knowing that that's a thing, that that does make the book more attractive. Like it makes it it makes it more interesting. It gives it context. One of the other things that I, I just I just think that uh, we've been very uh, effusive about about Wes Craig the whole time, and uh, yeah. I think I think he uh, he really went out he went out of his his way to be excellent. Uh, this, this time, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. there was definitely um, there was definitely some uh, some like David Aja type uh, influence going on with this in a mm-hmm. good way. Not in a not in a like oh he's just copying that. I just think some of it was uh, absorbed into sort of the storytelling of this, um, which wasn't hurt at all by the coloring either. I love uh, the fight scene in while tripping, and there was multiple images of each guy fighting, and it it was just very imaginatively but, drawn but also like the if like that scene the entire like the the panels all of a sudden got really big so all of a sudden it was like it was like we went into widescreen from watching mm-hmm. all these little tiny panels and jerky movements and things to to these big uh four panel pages that that you know don't like it just everything just got bigger and more it was like it was like zooming in on everything you know right. making the picture bigger that's what they did um, on superman doomsday yeah, like from issue to issue, the panels got bigger. I mean, so you right. know, as, yeah. as as much as we sort of you know dis- dismiss that whole storyline, like that's that's an interesting kind of technique. And and I agree. Like, I think th- this uh, it should be said that this was like a really terrific week of comics. I thought there were yeah. really really great choices. And any other week, I mean, it could have been any of like five different comics could have been the pick. But this one, I think it, it comes down to that last sequence and that, that fight sequence and that sort of, you know, six million dollar man kind of, you know, arm coming up for the punch mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, seeing all the, all the movement and everything. And, and really, it just um, it has all the senses buzzing. It's just a, it's now it, it really capably captures, if not an acid trip, if I don't know what an acid trip is like. I at least sure. know what disorientation is like. I know what waking up is like or being tired is like. And I think that's captured pretty capably here. Now, now what was interesting to me is that I know that you, Paul, like me, not a big fan of dream sequences, surrealism, mm-hmm. these kind of things. And so when you go into doing uh, a scene like this, like you could famously go back to hallucination scenes from, say, The Sopranos or something like that. Right. And, and go, ah, I could do without those scenes. But this didn't fall into that category for you, which I think is interesting. Right, because it's about the experience. It does, I don't, I don't necessarily, we, well, we talk about, you know, Remender, you know, bleeding on the page here, but I don't feel the hand of the author in the way that, you know, unlike a Mad Men dream sequence or a Soprano sequence where it feels like it's all symbolism. I think, uh, yeah, he, yeah. I think here it's, it's, it's all about experience, experience and, and sensations. Mm-hmm. And, it's very it's it's a it's a very lucid way of depicting disorientation. Yeah. Yeah. Side note, Josh, didn't you meet Mr. T? <laughs> I did. I forgot I kind of forgot about that a long time ago. Yeah. That will tell back, you working on you were twenty two years old. Working on really opened a lot of doors. I met uh, I met Mr. T. I met uh I met DDP at one point before he was a yoga magnate. Uh I met of course 
who went on to be very famous. But back then, uh, he played one of the guys on the show, and he beat up a contestant, and that contestant sued us. <laughs> uh, he got that mad about something. Yeah, I have a story about being kicked out of a casino before being too young, but I'll put that in the comments because it's way too long to tell the show. All right, All Star Western Thirty One. I don't really have a lot to say about it other than I want to mention it because the book was just announced as being canceled. Yes, yeah. issue thirty four. And I feel like I want to just mention every issue until then because this is one of those books that, Josh, you recall, is one of those books that started up the same year we started the podcast. So I feel yeah. like it's always been around. And it ending is going to be very strange. So I'm going to keep mentioning it until until it goes away. Wait, is there one be- more issue left? Or how many no, more? three more. Three, three more. 30, oh, okay. 37? 34 is the last issue. 34 okay. is the last issue. Okay. Darwin Cook's number 34. Now, right. what's interesting about this, though, is that uh, I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this is just like the old times. In yes. fact, like they, yeah. they even kind of had that sense. Like this is like the old, like stabbed in the face with an eye or with a key. I, stabbed. I think I think they must have known because you recall you listening and you on the call with me that, yeah. that we we mentioned how it abruptly changed direction back towards the old book. Yeah, you know, there was that conceit of uh, Jonah Hex first in Gotham, then he went to the future, and then, and then he came back, and then suddenly they just basically got rid of all that. Now it's suddenly back to Jonah and to Lula, Ex- and this could have been the old book. Except the Joe Texas face is fixed. Well, that, but also it was only half a book. Right. Well, there's that. I mean, like but, the other half of the story is is Madame Forty Four, which I I literally didn't read. I just looked at the. I didn't either. Jose Luis. But I, I did look at all the art. I went through all of the, the Jose Luis. Go ahead. Really good. But yeah. this little scene with Jonah and Tulu Black trying to have a nice romantic dinner, interrupted by a bunch of bad guys, and then the fight that ensues. I thought it was great. I, they, I, humped, I, they humped on and the. Then bar. they had wild sex in the bar until the sheriff came and went. She's, uh, you not she's, have the sex while I need she's to waving his hat like a like a rodeo rider. <laughs> I I just think uh, this has been, and you mentioned this on Twitter when the announcement came in, Josh. That there's, I'm not really sad that it was canceled because come on, a hundred however many issues of this book is really an amazing accomplishment for a Western book in this modern era where a, genre books die a quick death from the DC and Marvel. Book. It, it, and, and other than like the, I get the editorial, they had to go do a different thing. You try to get the, keep the book going, but it's the same two writers, you know, who yeah, have it's amazing. largely, it's an amazing accomplishment who yeah, largely had, who'd had nothing but excellent art. There were no shitty fill-ins. There was just really good artists on it all the way through. There was a very c- consistent vision of what the character was. And, and I mean, you, you, I think it's interesting. I didn't really think about it in terms of, of us, but it was like the first, it was like one of our first episodes was Jonah X one. And, and we've, you know, sort of all been on it since then. And, and that's, that's amazing. So, uh, let's, let's not eulogize it too much. Cause I feel like we're going to have a lot of time to do that. And I suspect with Darwin cook art in the final issue that there's a very good chance it'll be pick of the week. unless evil Paul Montgomery is that has that pick that week. If, if Darwin but, cook is on it, there's a very good chance I would pick that for pick of the week. So we'll get it. I, I guarantee we'll get a chance to fully eulogize the series, but I just wanted to mention that this was a really fun story and I'm really happy this book made it for the eight or nine years it did, which is really amazing for a cowboy book. And yeah, in the I, I've been, I've been a little off and on lately, but now, but now that it's, you know, closing out, I will be reading all of the issues left. And I would, I would start, I think was it the last issue, Josh, that it, they they switched back to the yeah, old yeah, sort yeah. of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back and go to thir- start with thirty and just read. Okay, well, it. I read this issue and I, and I liked it. And, I, and when you guys said that Tallulah Black was back, you know, you don't, all you need to know is really have to go back. Yeah, his face got fixed while he was in the future, and his face is normal, so it's confusing everybody who doesn't. They don't actually believe he's Jonah Hex, which is funny. I think, but yeah, go ahead. So I think that if I had the pick this week, I. Almost definitely would have gone with Trees number one, 
It was a super uh, strong contender. It was like from it was uh, from Image Comics, Warren Ellis and Jason Howard. Couple of reasons about this. Um, one, it's it's just a really great uh, sci-fi conceit in a world a little removed from our own, and some shit has gone down. We'll get into that in a second. So, great concept from Warren Ellis. Didn't really feel like Warren. Ellis. The concept did, but the sort of writing of it, the sort of structure, the people. The badass has shown up yet. Yeah, no, like it, it's it actually it was it didn't feel like I was reading a Warren Ellis book, uh, and a lot of that I think had to do with with Jason Howard, who you may remember from the Astounding Wolfman, who did a very animated, cartoony kind of style in this, and this he's bringing out a whole different style, and it was wonderful. It looks like a it looks like a great he looks like a great BPRD artist is what he looks like. Yes, um, yeah, and he he drew all these sort of uh, interesting people and these cityscapes of a world where 10 years ago uh, these sh- these giant ships landed that are like long huge tall columns like pillars, ascending into yeah. the yeah ascending into the clouds you can't see the top of they call them trees, trees and eventually if you will. The, the people just lived with them and they built houses around the the roots and, in and them yeah and uh, and it, you know like this we join the story sort of right when uh, they they emit a noxious liquid uh, yeah, every once is, in a while, the trees bleed like a toxic waste kind of sap. Yeah, yeah toxic that, sap that kills people and melts things. I don't know if they knew that I that was going it, to I be a thing. That it was happen, a little. I thought it was. A, we, we've talked about this before with all these new image books, and every once in a while, a first issue will feel a little prologue-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought this was a little bit. I, I really like this a lot. I want to preface that by saying mm-hmm. I really, really, really enjoyed this more than I thought I would. But it also felt a little prologue-y, like. We've mentioned in the past a couple of these series. The first issue could have been combined with the second for an oversized, issue, you know, number one. It really would have been satisfying. This was a little prolonged, but I, still, I, I get that. But still, but I really liked it a lot. I, I don't really, mind that. I don't mind. I, I'm I'm getting used to that 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 sort of pacing, that way of doing things, and it's totally cool. Uh, but for me, like end of the day, like really, gorgeous, this, this story, issue. this story was Jason Howard just busting out of all the boundaries uh, that he had before and, and delivering on on a ton of levels. Uh, artists too they should be noted like pencils inks yeah. color it's sort of and, like if um if william gibson did a version of pacific rim you know it's like yeah. this is the new normal and we live in this world where there's these you know this extraterrestrial presence you know they're not kaiju roaming around they're just it's it's even it's creepier than that because they're just, they're just these they're just there they don't do these anything. things yeah and but yeah and, and but then also th- not even just from that but also you know it's sort of um next week's you know wired headlines like you know there's drones in the skies they've got that that google funded like quadruped robot thing did you guys see the videos of that like where it's like it's this thing that gallops and like jesus christ that's terrifying if that's going to be on like you know future battlefields and so they they grab that so it's this dog-like robot and that's a real thing that's a thing that you know the military is working on so I, I thought this was I thought this was crazy and I, and I and I like the approach that it's like going around like different places in the world. We're in you know Rio de Janeiro and I think we're in like the Arctic Circle at one point and oh, we're all over the world. We're yeah, in New York City the with the new, mm-hmm. new possible mayor. Was the mayor or the new possible mayor? Either one. Yeah. He's yeah he's running for mayor. I want I want him to stick with this so bad. Yeah, I'm so afraid of of the Warren Ellis fadeaway. Right. Because we'll uh, this is cool and it, it, you're right. It's like a very early like, and you're seeing these a ton of possibilities that it can be. Just really, really great, great first issue. If Super it's impressive. In, yeah, and if it's a prologue, it, it worked because I'm excited mm-hmm. for more. Yeah. yeah. This week also saw the end of Charles Soule's run on Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts 26. This was a book that I wasn't reading, then 
both Josh and I believe also Paul were raving about it, so I jumped on and was happy I did. Although I really found myself very disinterested in this particular story arc that ended the run. But with the uh, with the the celestial baby head, this run's been each each person gets a mission, mm-hmm. and this particular mission of General Thunderbolt Ross is in the jungle with the pyramids, and I just didn't really care about it. Okay, I can see that. I think the thing that I mean, the, the reason that I'm in it, the thing that's this intriguing to me is is watching them all uh, interact with each other, um, and and so you're seeing. I re- like I really like like Deadpool, who everyone thinks is nuts, and he actually knows everything that's going on, and and Hammond, who thinks he's got the drop on everybody, except Deadpool doesn't. And I really like that uh, a lot. I, and, and it, the, the characters I, are great. I think that's that's always yeah. been the stellar right, thing about the book. It's a really good Deadpool. Yeah, like I like in the same way that like Remender did a really good Deadpool in that team. Like it it works here. And if you were to you know, I was gonna say if you were to tell me these are the guys on the team, I wouldn't like it. But that's actually exactly what happened. Is that when they started it and Daniel Way took over, these are the guys on the team. I said that's stupid. I don't want to read it. But it was done into something really cool. Um, it, I mean, I think the thing that's disappointing about it is that he's clearly not done with whatever his story was. You know that like uh, there's there's definitely you know the sort of the retribution of Hammond or or how that's all going to work out. Like Soul is not going to be the one who finishes that story. Somebody else is. Um, right. So that's sort of disappointing. And I don't even, I don't even know who's coming on next. Um, but I'm you know this had this definitely had a thing. And and I, I think one of the other things that was really impressive about it is that we've talked about all sorts of uh, his books. This one really doesn't feel like any of the other ones. It's a really sort of interesting and, and unique book. God, it almost makes me want to check out the the Red Lantern book, even though I don't want to check out the Red Lantern book. But I'm just so curious. Well, he's writing every book that comes out, or every second. Yeah, book, I mean, so this was the, basically the sacrifice. This was like he, I can't. He's doing uh, uh, the Death of Wolverine, so you know this was sort of the one that had to go, I guess. But overall, I thought it was a really, really, really great run. I didn't particularly love this storyline, but that's fine. But the whole, whole run as a whole, the overall, the overall conceit. You know, mm-hmm. of like trading off, and this is it's my turn to do my job. I, I always liked that idea. Yeah, yep. So I did like the the ending bit where the guy's like, oh, "I'm not going to kill you. Here's the deal." Mm-hmm. And he, he sort of convinces him to stop wasting his life. And I was like, "That's cool. That, that works. That's nice. It's a nice way to go out." So hey, so Southern Bastards number two, Southern Bastards number one was a pick of the week. This was also almost a pick of the week, just because it continues to be an amazing book from top to bottom. Just, I was really disappointed that Boss Coach Coach Boss didn't wear a white three piece suit and a ten gallon hat. <laughs> I was really hoping like that's a bolo tie. The exists. way he was gonna go, but he didn't. So disappointed. I got disappointed. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that he has a very sort of like unassuming introduction. Like yes. it was so built up in the previous issue, and here he's just. He's such a fixture of the town that, you know, he doesn't need – I mean, we, we see him from behind and, you know, there's a little bit of intrigue there. But, you know, you don't really need a it's, big it's, – uh, It's Pauly from, from Goodfellas. <laughs> it is. Like, he, doesn't, he doesn't put a show on. He doesn't move for right, anybody. Right. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't have to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, I really like that's cool. That's power. The tour's noses. <laughs> they have this sort of M shape to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all – We've been punching those first of all. They're like cauliflower noses. Can I you do have a love cauliflower them. nose. You know, cauliflower ears. Um, I also <laughs> like that there was so, there was that just a subtle bit of mysticism in this issue with the yes. ending where the the, the lightning strikes the spot. Well, well I, mythic. Know, I, think. I, I can't imagine it's going to be like. A what did he pull out of there? Was that? It was the club. Oh, or a, or a club. 
Wonderbat? I mean, is that it what that was? It was? It was the Wonder Boy moment where the tree gets struck by lightning, the tree above his father's grave, and it reveals either either his father's wooden club or a new new club. But either way, you know, it's it's sort of that mythical element that is through, you know throughout the years. In it's like a Southern Gothic Thor, right? Yeah. Well, you would he wouldn't have gotten away with that in Scalp, so I guess that's the deal here. Which is fine because the rest of it is so grounded in, in reality. Yeah, oh no, I'm not. I'm fine. But I like that it's actually a little heightened. I mean, like yeah, the, yeah. you know, co- Coach Boss is it's pretty silly, and that's cool. Until you're in that living in that town with Coach Boss, and it's not so silly. You liberal. Uh, How long do you think I would last in a town like Andy? that? <laughs> I mean, and like, are we even into the hour? I mean, like, well, it's, you, it's the minutes. question is, do you leave the house? Because if you don't leave the house, you could last a while. But I'm not. I don't. I, no, I think they. I think they know. Also, I'd want to, I'd to, want to go out and get that. I would want to go out and get that barbecue, and that would be my. You would last until halfway through the meal. Try to eat as quickly as you can because. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is just delightful smack. Your plaid shirt, your bow tie, and nope. your uh, little hat, little trilby hat. You'd be dead before you, that's, you got to. That's that's what I wear when I eat barbecue. Let's <laughs> exactly. let's take well. Let's take a look at a little artistic challenge, and this wasn't presented in the first issue. It's just come up here. We're actually we're seeing you know a football game in process, and. He takes this great, you know, sort of wide angle. It takes up two pages, you know, the top half. And I don't think I've ever seen that angle before in a comic book. I am not the person to ask if it is an accurate, an accurate depiction, you know, of the layout of a football field. But I've seen yeah, very just, bad ones stuff. in other comics, but which I won't name. But I think this is a this is a good example. It brings you right down into the action. I know that that's a, that's a really interesting point of view. I think the the football game, much like everything else in this book, is very, very visceral and feels very, very real because these Jason Aaron and artist Jason Latour are both so uh, from the South. It just feels like football fans. I know that Jason Aaron is at the least. Yeah. I had a long conversation with him at, at our, I think our last, very last New York Comic Con party about it. Long discussion about why he liked college football so much. It was very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. There's real but quick. There's, yeah, there's there's another just little mini mystery that I'm kind of. Interested. I don't think they establish it in the first. Do they say who he's talking to on the phone? No, Earl. I mean, uh, maybe they mentioned. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I have to go back and look. And it, and it, you know, it might not you know come to anything, but I I think it's fascinating. It's Diane, that we, isn't it? Is it? It's his assistant Diane back at the FBI. Oh my god. Okay. Oh my god, he is Agent Dale Cooper coming out of the Black Lodge. <laughs> that is who he is. We've cracked it. Well, anyways, I like seeing just the one half of the phone conversation, and I like when he keeps, I'm, you know, I, I keep trying to get away, and it keeps coming back, you know, it keeps pulling me back in. I, I You know, I love that trope. I love that idea. Much like Al Pacino. We're just going to keep bringing this back to mob movies. <laughs> Cowl, number one, another new comic from Image Comics, another new, new series. Uh, Kyle Higgins, the Nightwing writer, and really, really great art. Yes. From Rod, oh, we should mention Alex Siegel is also co-writing with Kyle Higgins. Uh, Rod Rice, who I can only assume is the same Rod Rice who inks his brother Ivan Rice over in DC, who, you know, he's, he, he inks probably the most superhero superhero artist you know, out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here it's just, it's, it is a gorgeous book. It really is. The story is uh, of the Cowell organization, Chicago Organized Workers League. It's a superhero union protecting Chicago in the 60s. And I like the story. It got better as it went along. It was a little wonky in the beginning. 
but I was into it by the end. But really, for me, the issue, the story in this issue was the art, Rod Rice art, which I loved. Yeah, same page here. Uh, I I hope to see much more of this guy. Uh, trying to describe it, I mean, there's like a bit of a Sinkevich thing going it's very on. Very much Sinkevich. There's a little. Uh, there's a little early Acuna. There's a little bit of. Uh, there's, there's a little jock to it almost. There's just like there's a there's. Yeah, I, I I I liked this. I I can I was impressed by the art and everything. I didn't I didn't love it. I think uh, I I thought it was very good. I just I feel like I've read different versions of this story a lot, um, but I kind of like the setting. I think it's kind of cool to be in Chicago. You know, when is yeah. this? I mean, there's 60s? the sixties. Yeah, it's uh, it's that superhero deconstruction 62. thing, and yeah, people have deconstructed superheroes in a lot of different ways, and. You know, this is sort of like if they were, if superheroes were, you know, funded, like, the police. like cops, basically. Yeah. And they're going to go on strike. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's moody. It's, it's, it's really atmospheric. The, the fight scenes are really cool. It's like, you know, it feels like a fight scene in the rain. And, um, and, and, you know, the color is really nice on that as well. Oh, but yeah, I mean, really, I think the take, the takeaway is, uh, I want this guy drawing more books and yes. not, you know, inking other people. <laughs> Which is great. I, I think you know Rod Ivan Rice is a great artist. Sure, he, yeah. You know, his inks are great too. But he is. If this is the same guy, I assume it is. Unless it's some sort of amazing coincidence. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing against Ivan Rice. I just. But I no, think no, no. This is. I think this is just really special. I also I really like the I, cover. Yeah, I I the nice cover was cover. really striking. Good oh, for image. Me think, the, the cover makes me think of a different time period. It seems like a. Yeah, turn of the century of, yeah. uh, steampunk kind of thing. So We're going to talk about one more image book later, but really strong week for image comics this week. Yeah. I get kind um, of a spirit vibe out of the cover. but you know. So we have mentioned a whole bunch of movies and TV shows in this first half of the show. So if you are interested in any of those, uh, Godfather, uh, Goodfellas, the Twin Peaks uh, full collections coming out later this year. Ooh. What else have we mentioned? Uh, Casino. What was the movie, the movie you mentioned, Paul? After, After Hours. Hours. Yeah. After Hours. All those movies you can probably pick up at Amazon. By going to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, that's where you find your Amazon portal. Helps us uh, keep the lights on. We get a little piece of the sale. That thing comes out of your pocket, comes out of Amazon's pockets. And uh, they were in the news a lot this week. We're going to avoid that because that was awkward for everyone. But uh, if you want to stick it to the man, you can I have an active Prime membership. What am I supposed to do? Right. You gotta, it's got to pay for itself. I need a thing in two days. You know, <laughs> I, 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 got, I, I can't go. I can't. They don't have it here. What, what do you want me to do? So we highly recommend all those movies. If you've ever Drones. seen any of them, go ahead <laughs> the and buy them. man is a prisoner in his house. <laughs> Prepare the drones. So uh, check those out at ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Also, ifanboy.com slash registration. That's where you can help us directly by becoming an ifanboy member at $3 a month, $30 a year, or by donating any amount you wish. That really helps us out. We uh, have bills, keep things moving. Yeah, I think I set it up on my dad's laptop so that he goes through the iFanboy Amazon portal. So now that he's into remote control helicopters, Sweet. Which is just an interesting hobby that he's taken up. And um, that's a, that that's a thing you can do. You should go through people's computers. Yes, and switch them to the iFanboy link, the, yeah. their, their, desk, their little shortcut, their bookmark. That's what you should do. Everyone could do that throughout the land. Now, uh, real quickly, I wanted to mention Aquaman 31, which was the uh, – we talked about it before. This is the Swamp Thing crossover. This is the second part of it or They're the opposite tag, side of it. Tag team with Swamp Thing. Tag team. And uh, I, th- I loved it. It was I good. really – this is the – this is – I love crossovers when they work like this. It's, it's a fun pairing. The interaction between the two of them is funny. You know, the Aquaman's very aggressive towards Swamp Thing and doesn't understand who he's dealing with and – I, I I loved those scenes between the two of them. I thought, I thought they uh, were this, great. This is not you know not a, a pairing that I ever really considered. 
though. That makes a lot of sense. And I think I think Parker's really got a good Swamp Thing voice. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that in Aquaman's own book, he, he basically uh, was made to be Swamp Thing's lesser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, very everyone's much was like, kind of his lesser. Yeah, no, it, it should be. It was, just, it was just like, no, no, you don't understand. No, seriously, you don't understand. And I forget every once in a while that this is not the Swamp Thing that I always think it is. Mm-hmm. It's not the Alan Moore Swamp Thing who has right. one point of view. And they, he's very specifically not. He's, he's Alec Holland. He's, he's much more human. He's got, he, he sort of, he's got that like, uh, you know, that, that sort of uh, uh, defeated, like, all right, fine. If he, all right, I'll show you, you know. He doesn't want to have to deal with it a little bit, but of course he knows he's going to because nobody else will. Um, yeah, it's good. I, I think still... the, the human Alec Holland, the human Swamp Thing, ha- sort of has less in common with other superheroes than the other Swamp Thing probably does. Yeah. Um, he just has a completely different, you know, mindset. But yeah, I, I really like the way, and I like he's just, you know, he calls him hero dismissively. He's, I'm an avatar, okay? <laughs> <laughs> deal with it so now um this is the first issue of superman i read since the first issue which i just finished reading yesterday i i i I tried and i was for a little while i was like all right you know what this isn't bad and then near the end i was like okay yeah you lost me it wasn't like really bad the other ones were so good and interesting that um that i was was kind of disappointed by this one well we can we can jump back into the other the other chapters i wasn't thrilled to this one either in fact when they changed artists in the middle the costume completely changed. Jeez. His costume. It yeah. went to sort of the original Superman look to it. I was very confused for, for a minute. Um, and his face changed. And so, yeah, I didn't really love this. But I'm looking forward to reading more of this story in the other chapters. Yeah, I yeah. opted out. I think, I th- so I think we'll be reading the other chapters and just skipping the, <laughs> the Superman yes. ones. I love, I love that the ad at the end is like, Superman 32, Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr., the superstar creative team is here. What a thumb in the nose of the people who just <laughs> yeah. did the book that you just really, read. Yeah. Don't, Oops. don't worry. These people, these people will be shuffled away. You won't have to think about them anymore. But that'll be, that's something to look forward to. Paul, Miss Marvel. Yeah, I want awesome. yeah, to continue banging the drum for this. You're, you're on board now? Yeah, totally. This is, this is, uh, this is really great. And this is, um, I think people were wondering, like, you know, when's she going to do superhero stuff? And, you know, last issue, she stopped a, uh, a robbery in, in process at a Circle K there in Jersey City. And it's interesting because she knows the, the clerk and she also, they also know the, the guy who was the robber. Um, and she accidentally gets shot. And we find a little bit more about how her powers work. She can't, she's a shapeshifter because she was hit with the Terrigen Mists. And, um, but she can't shape change when she's healing. If she stays in one shape, she can heal from a gunshot wound just fine. Um, but then also the, me- the media comes in and she wants to transform into the Carol Danvers, uh, Ms. Marvel. And her friend is like, well, why don't you just be, you know, you, why do you have to, and she has these ideas of what a superhero is. And I think this, this book does a really good job of playing to that, that message that it set out with in the beginning, which is, you know, what, what, what is a superhero supposed to look like? What are you supposed to be? And tying that in with being a teenager and your own identity issues without it being obnoxious about it. I think it's uh, I just think it's a, it's a great warm little story. And we're finally meeting, you know, the, the the big major villain for this, the inventor, who's really creepy. It's just, <laughs> she ends up in this scary house, and yeah, there's this creepy, you know, dude down there with a shirt that says "I am a bad guy," <laughs> and um, it was good. 
it was it's good. A really, really good book. And it's I just really good. I love I love Adrian How was it? Art it was so much. Really good. Yeah, good. No, the art's fantastic. The it look, it really art. does look like, like it's like a children's, like a picture book, which is, but it the you know, but the storytelling is great. It doesn't. It's not the style I did in Runaways. It's slightly slightly different, but yeah, it's, it's very beautiful. very good. Yep. Yeah. So, um, did either of you guys read Revival Chew? I did, and the Which tone Q, is set right Q away. Uh, this is so this is a flip book crossover. One side is Revival side, one side is Chew side, but there's a panel early on where the, the son from Revival's drawing is on a comic and it's Lion Cat versus uh, the chicken from Chew. Uh, and, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> and his mother says, wait a second, Cooper, you've got a cybernetic rooster meeting a lie-detecting alien cat. How is that crossover supposed to work? And he says, it's fun and it's cool. So that's all that matters. It's what comics are. It's what they're for. Nice. And so that sets the tone. I like that. That being said, I really liked the Chew side. I didn't think love the Revival side so much. I liked both sides and I liked that they were so different from one another. Very, very I, different. I thought, they didn't, they I, didn't match at all. Oh, and that, um, I thought that was great. cool. I actually didn't know what this was. I didn't know what to expect. I just picked it up and started reading it. And then I was like, wait, it's over. And then I sort of looked around. I was like, oh, there's another story on this side. And so basically the team from Chew did an, an issue of Tony Chew coming to uh, whatever this place is called in Wisconsin. Uh, and it felt like a Chew book, but with these characters. It was fun to see his version of them. Flip it over and turn it around the other way. And it's it's Tim Seeley and Mike Norton doing a story of Tony Chew coming coming there. He didn't do this the, – this, uh, cyborg which i thought would have been funny but i see why it didn't but like it's it's mike's sort of realistic depiction of of tony chu and a very different kind of uh horror story that tim seeley did uh in this i like how world. they fit the worlds together and yeah. they sort of smashed seamlessly like on the chu side chicken is still kind of outlawed mm-hmm. where it's it's quite different on the other side so they kind of fit in the the chu side revival gets fit into the chu world and the, mm-hmm. in the revival side chu gets fit into the revival it's i mean I didn't dislike the revival side. I just really liked the Chew side. It was, just, it was just, it was just fun, and it's just like you said. Like it was just like, wow, that's cool that they could just do that, and they did, and they did it for fans of the books and for themselves, and you know, that's great. Things like that Why should not? happen more. That's great. It's great. It was, it was really fun. Uh, I, I was, I was really happy with it. Uh, Inhuman two. Inhuman two. Uh, Charles Soule with Joe Matarera doing a, a really good Inhuman story. I, I really, I'm like, this is the first good and human story I've written in a long time, and uh, I was, I was just surprised that I was still going with it, and it was, it was fun to spend time with, uh, with Medusa and, and having her deal with Captain America, and I really liked Gorgon in this and the way that he treated the the kid and his, you know, his training role. Uh, it was just a fun issue, and I actually really liked the Matter Air art. I thought it was, it was really, uh, really good. It didn't feel old timey, I suppose. Um, but I definitely, if, if you uh, weren't reading this, uh, I, it's worth it. And it sort of plays into this whole Terrigen thing that's going on, obviously. Wasn't issue one way back with Matt Fraction? And- no. no Charles Soule and, and Joe Matter did number one. I know what you're talking about. And that was a different thing. And is I don't know. Different in humans. Yeah, that was in humanity. Maybe. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. All right. Well, but, those were the books we wanted to talk about this week. Go to ifanboy.com. You can talk about other books that came out. You can talk about these books. You can talk about anything you want over in the comments section for this show at ifanboy.com. And let's do a listener question. It's a long one. Strap in for Matt, who writes, you guys commonly refer to a few movies as bad movies. The ones that came out most recently were Prometheus and Man of Steel. They were compared to X-Men Days of Future Past, which was referred to as a good movie. I know this might be hard to nail exactly where your emotions are coming from, but when you guys are critiquing these genre films, do you come at them from a fan of source material or from a fan of movie making in general? 
I ask because, in full disclosure here, I'm an artist and a movie maker myself. I can pretty easily forgive not sticking to the source material as a trade-off for technical fidelity to the actual movie-making process. When I compare films like Prometheus and Man of Steel to specifically the Fox-produced Marvel movies, I put the former on a much higher pedestal. The camera work, the visual effects, the depth of emotion, the storytelling are all presented in a much more modern and high-quality way, in my opinion, of course. I can tell when I listen to the movie review shows that these things are not always at the top of the importance list for you guys. Things like the dated Colossus effects and the bad future Sentinel CGI were mentioned during the podcast were kind of glossed over to talk about things like how, the, how well Singer incorporated all of the cast and if the story fit in with the source material. When I watched Days of Future Past, I absolutely loved the Quicksilver scene and the depth of acting that we got out of James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, but I felt like the rest of the movie felt dated. It fit in well with the original X-Men movies because it was made in a style that really harkened back to the late 90s before the quality of the superhero genre film had been raised to what it is now. Things like the bad beast transformations, future punk costumes, little to no dialogue de- development from much of the extended cast really bummed me out and made a lot of the scenes feel throwaways for me. Anyway, I now, now I've prattled on forever. I certainly don't want to make this anything more than a fanciful topic of discussion about what makes a good movie. I'd love to hear your responses. It's a good question. It is a really good question. I got to sit for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, take a take a take a uh, breather. It's a uh, it's a good question, and I think a, a totally reasonable line of questioning. There are definitely cert- yes and no, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like he's allowed to make a lot of false assumptions. Well, I, I just I think that I think that is the idea is like there's some movies that we all just sort of agreed are bad, and it's it's why. And that's hard to say, but I think that one of the things that is we as uh, – I don't like the word critic, but there we go uh, – is people who sort of think about and talk about these kinds of Taste things a makers. lot. There are <laughs> – well, uh, there, you know, there are elements of things which we, which, which we all have different tastes, I think. But there are certain things that tick all of our boxes. And then when, <laughs> I think when all of us agree kind of on a thing, then we just go, OK, that, that was just bad. Now – Specifically, we're talking about Prometheus. I actually understand that that was not a great movie. I enjoyed it. I don't know why I didn't. It, I just like I don't know. It looked cool, whatever. I, I can. It probably was a bad movie, but yeah, I, I, um, I, I objectively there are a lot of problems with that movie. I enjoy it quite a bit. I know uh, uh, fellow iFanboy staff writer Timmy Wood really likes that movie a lot, and will defend <laughs> it whenever it's brought up. I actually I wrote the the written review of Prometheus on the site, and I, I gave it a pretty high rating. If I reviewed it today... You gave it five stars, I think. Did I? No, I didn't. I gave it like a four <laughs> or something, or four, four or five, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's probably more like, you know, a three or something, but, or, or lower is, for a lot of people, but, but yeah. The thing um, is, Matt's talking about at least five people's opinions here, because mm-hmm. I know Mike Roma was on the Prometheus show, and we're, we're talking specifically about right. Ron Richards being on the X-Men show, and a lot of what he's talking about is stuff that Ron was talking about. Specifically, so, I mean, the fidelity to the storytelling. Which, if you listen, if you've listened to our movie shows, we don't we don't hardly ever put that out as an important matter because we've always said these are movies and not comics, and you got to be they've got to be good movies first. And then we we all pretty much are of the opinion that if you're going to make something into a movie, it's going to be different, and as long as that's good, then who cares? When we do talk part. about it, it's when it's when the differences are interesting. Yes. Or, 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 or when they don't work, or if right. they're done or for no reason. Right. Exactly. Let's make that guy black. It's a bad example, but like, like, <laughs> no, it is. But like, like the idea when they they change a character. That's that's a bad no, example. It's it's but, arbitrary changes. It's the point it's is Hawkeye. We Hawkeye never, is a good example. We never. And again, I don't want to knock Ron, but there's something. He's always been more of a fidelity person than, than Josh or I or Paul has been in terms of mm-hmm. source material. But we've he's always. Grown up. And he definitely has, but we did talk about it a lot in the X Men podcast. And I th- but was, I think also Ron was Ron was doing that because he was brought on as he's the X Men guy. That that right. what you know we did miss having him on the show, and we wanted to bring him back for something. But this particular one, we're like, you know, Ron loves the X Men. 
he should be able to you know speak to that. So there was a particular reason why we chose there, that. And I I, I remember almost nothing about the comic book storyline Days of Future Past. I've never read I, it. I, right. I couldn't. I have read it, but I couldn't tell you anything about it other than the the, the general overview of it. And I, I don't know how close it was to the movie or, uh, or not. I know Kitty Pryde went back in the time back in, in the storyline that Wolverine, but I love that based on that. Based judging a movie based on the that the the source material is always a slippery slope. It's uh, it's, it's what. It's what causes people to be mad at Lord of the Rings, not because it was bad or because they didn't enjoy it, but because it wasn't the thing that they'd already read, which to me is, is an athlete. It doesn't make sense. You already read that story. Why, you know, why do you need another version of it exactly the same? That's, you know, and that's one of the reasons a lot of people you know, uh, dismiss – I think dismiss is the right word – Sin City because it's just like let's just slap the panels up on the screen. It's the, it's the problem with Watchmen. Right. It's an interesting experiment, but it's not the most artful way to do an adaptation. And I've, I've, you know, uh, you know, I've always loved Van Sant's Psycho. Right. I've always, yeah, that's a good example. I've, I've always loved adaptation as, you know, a challenge. I think you can be equally as creative with an adaptation, adaptation as you are with, you know, an original property. It's, it's all in the decisions that you make with the tools that you have. Um, I come from a screenwriting background. You guys are from, you know, a similar background in communications. We all took different film classes. Yeah. And, and, um, I think in terms of doing a 30 minute podcast, which we're, we're usually shooting for 30, you know, 40 minutes, um, on these movies, we sort of prioritize and I think we prioritize to story. And if there are certain, um, technical aspects in terms of the visual storytelling that jump out, we do mention them, like with the X Men podcast that we just did. We talked about, you know, Singer using the, you know, the, the sort of the vintage film stock sort of style mm-hmm. from Mystique goes out the window. Sorry, spoilers. But yeah, so I th- she but, goes out a window. <laughs> but my, but yeah, and, and you see, and you see that in trailers too. That's so that's fine. But, but anyway, there's also matters of taste here. There's defenestration, I mean, but yeah, that is that is 100 well, percent the issue here. We we did not like Man of Steel for its story reasons. That's why we didn't like it, not because it wasn't. The Superman of the comics. It, it was if it was because his ethos was not Superman of the comics, which it ha- which I think it had to be because that's the character. And I think Prometh- we. I hate Prometheus because of, I think it's a dumb story with dumb characters. It's not because sure. Like what's it? What Michael is it Fassbender for? is very handsome. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think also we we evaluate these films in terms of what their priorities are because I think I think it's often pretty obvious what the priorities of the filmmakers are. So we sort of look at what they were trying to do. So I'm not going to spend too much time on the on the Days of Future Past podcast talking about how it doesn't look like, you know, as as look as as visually interesting and arresting as the Nolan Batman movies. But I think that's reason, pretty apparent. The reason that you don't talk about that is because it wasn't bad enough to bother you. So the thing is, if it bothered you, if it was that was the right. thing that took you out of the story, if you couldn't get over the fact that they looked like that, then you would bring it up, but the fact Besides, is, we've also been through four or five movies of these. It's like yeah. we can, you can only complain about the the punk rock look so many I mean, that, times. That's, that's that's just a that's just a, that's the that's a fact of life now. I mean, if that's still, the world that they're in, that's that that singer X Men world. They look like that. It's been it's been fourteen years of it, so we're not going to complain about it. In fact, we don't necessarily dislike it. Yeah, if they, the had, if they, I, I acknowledge that you know they're they're you know on a different level in terms of you know what they're trying to do. Taking, taking specifically something like Dark Knight and then this movie, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's true. It's it's consistent. If if it had veered off and done something much worse or much better, we definitely would have mentioned it. I think there's lots of times though that we're like, you just talk about the costume or whatever. Okay, ultimately that that doesn't matter. I mean, the, we, every time that we talk about uh, 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 all new X Men, 
We're like, God, they look stupid. This is a really good comic book. And that's, yeah. the, that's the end of the story. The fact is, in X-Men 1, in the year 2000, they took care of the costumes, as far as I was concerned, by, by Wolverine saying, what, are we going to wear spandex? Right. Like, he's like, that's dumb. And, and I, like, I have no problem accepting that as the conceit. So, you know, I, I don't I, uh, I, I My love of this X-Men movie has nothing to do with the story uh, in related to the comic book, but it's due to the fact that I think it was a super fun action movie with really compelling and com- charismatic cast. Yeah. There you go. It's all about the movie, the movie and the movie techniques and the storytelling. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really great I think uh, film. If you were to go back uh, and, and look at like the first amazing Spider-Man movie, like I recognize that movie was a uh, chock-a-block full of flaws. I, I, I enjoyed when I watched it. So I didn't care. Same case for amazing Spider-Man two, which just came out and we reviewed it and we had, that was a very interesting conversation because Connor was sort of in the middle and I really enjoyed it, despite its flaws. I I acknowledge the flaws that it has, but I can't I, I can't deny the fact that I was sitting there with a grin on my face the entire time. Timmy hated it, largely because he didn't get cast as Spider Man. Apparently, we found <laughs> out um, he has a little bit of grief there. But if I were to do a written review of that, um, I probably would have been more objective. I would have had to have been. But in a thirty minute podcast where we're getting you know views across, it's I think it's more about. It's more in terms of the the larger picture. Did we enjoy it? Did we not enjoy it? What are the key things? And and same same as comics. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing. I think I think end of the day, uh, I'd like to say that some of it is objective and some of it kind of is in terms of how you build. Well, a story, I think there's a lot do. of there's a lot of objective, and we've gotten but, in trouble in the past for being way too objective when people get very emotional about these movies. I mean, and that's you, and, and that's fair. There's always, but basically, I'm saying there's always a trapdoor out of objective. But there are some things that we sort of take as granted. We all have educations in this stuff. We've also been doing this for a really long time now. Whatever. Uh, the the point being, uh, when you are reading critics, when you are when you are listening to critics and they're talking about things like that, you're going to tend to go with people who have similar sensibilities to you. And you're going to want to listen to what they have to say because they either are, are better at elucidating the things about it that are important. But, but you're not going to – there are reviewers out there who I'm not going to read because I don't, I don't agree with you. you tend, you'll find people who will give you information that will be useful to you and that's kind of all mm-hmm. we can do. And this, it's going to be subjective. There's no way it isn't. It's, it's a taste thing. It's um, art. Art is, art is at its heart subjective. I mean, you can get objective about the fact that Ridley Scott – the director of Prometheus shoots a movie better than anybody else mm-hmm. who on this list of films we're talking about, objectively. But at the end of the day, it's also art. So you may not like the way he shoots a film. So that I mean, that's just the way it goes. It's art. Yeah. And I mean, there's all sorts of stuff we we disagree about. But I think that at this point, we all basically we respect uh, and we understand each other's differences a lot. Like Connor likes stuff I don't like, but I get it. You know, that's that's because that's his thing that he likes. I like stuff that uh, you know, I like stuff that. Ron would never I can't, I can't get him to watch movies that I love for a million years and vice versa. It's, you know, but you kind of go into that. that and Josh are dumb enough to think Prometheus is a good movie. I respect that. I don't, no, I don't think it's good. I thought I enjoy it. it. <laughs> I thought it hooked me in because I thought that the world was really interesting. I liked I loved the way it looked. But we cannot respect Man of Steel being a good movie. That's where we draw the line. We draw I, that know, there, line. There were things yeah. that were cool about it. No, 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 no. there were things you liked about it. Absolutely. No, there was some not allowed in my house. <laughs> if it's on your phone, you leave that phone in the mailbox and then you can come in. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all about personal Why did he let his father get killed? And I can't. I, I, don't, I, I just don't think you can go back and listen to our shows and, and say that we, we review a film based on how close it is to the source material. I, I don't think that's possible. I really don't. I, I, no. I cannot think you can. I, can't, I don't think you can make that argument. So not interested in that. 
Josh, this is a good opportunity for you to give your quick couple of minute opinion on X Men Days of Future Past. Oh, did you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I cool. actually did. I saw it. I saw it the the day after you guys recorded. This is what we do Hopefully. now. Every we do a, a show. <laughs> Feel bad. And like two weeks later, Josh shows up and we get his quick opinion well, on the film. I, point I saw it. I saw it a day after you did. And I'm going to make an effort to see Guardians of the Galaxy early, so I can I can do that too. Because cool. I'm really interested in that. So I hope I don't disappoint anyone with that. I really, really, really liked it. Great. I, I I walked out and I and I thought I think that was really good. And I checked in with with Ron and Connor. I was like, you really liked that, didn't you? And they're like, Oh my god! I was like, It had rebar. <laughs> it had it, it, it retconned. I said all this. I basically went through all of the things that you guys talked about. I literally like if you could, you could look at the text. It was like it retconned X three. First thing I said, like I. Uh, and they were just. It was just. It had uh, the one. Like the one thing I think you guys didn't touch on enough was uh, was bombed out seventies uh, Xavier. Like, oh yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just 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 doesn't care. He's drunk. He's he's well, just he's disconnected. That was all wrapped up in the how great McAvoy was in general. Yeah, he, yeah, he and he he really was. Uh, and and uh, like there was uh, so many things you could say that I'll tell you. One thing is that like when I watched the Wolverine movie, uh, whatever the last one was, yeah, I, I hated it. I couldn't get through it. Um, which is regardless of the fact, but what I was saying, like, I was like, I don't want to watch Hugh Jackman do this anymore. I got into this and I was like, I'm totally into Hugh Jackman in this movie for whatever <laughs> reason, whatever thing that was done differently. And it's the directing. I mean, let's, let's be honest, you know, it was the tone, like it worked in this and, and like, he's got some more lines in his face and he looks a little older, like, you know, other than his ridiculous body. Um, and way bigger than he was in the original X-Men movie. Yeah, totally. I just watched it the other day. I was like, yeah, he's, yeah. Well, yeah. He's yeah. slim. Well, it was it been seventy three? So maybe he was born. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I, I just liked a lot about it. I liked how it, it. There was so many things. You know, like there were so many things that were brought together, and there could have been so many balls dropped, and it just didn't feel that way. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not an X Men purist. I don't know the story very well. I I, thought, I spent the whole time going, "Who is that girl doing the brain thing?" And then I was like, "Oh, that's supposed to be Kitty." That doesn't make sense. Oh well, I don't. I didn't care. Like uh, you know, and and, yeah. and the fact is for me. Uh, the thing that was super cool about X-Men First Class, the thing that was super cool about the first Captain America movie is that they were uh, period pieces. They were in a time. This was a period piece in a time. It was, it was 11 years later than the last movie, which is super cool because a lot of stuff can happen in that time. You know, I, I really loved it. It was great. I walked out. I was like, God, that might, that might be the best X-Men movie I've seen in a while. And it's, you, you guys mentioned you know, we used to hold up X2. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the as the like, well, this is really in Spider Man too. Like those were the old standbys of yeah. really movies, and that stuff's all been blown out of the water. Not that that's bad in retrospect, but there's just been so many sort of leaps taken since then. Uh, but uh, like now, at this point, like it's difficult to rank those movies because there are so many good and or yeah. interesting ones. And I, I don't want to rank them anymore. I don't care. I can do like, of... the best one. I don't know. I haven't watched Avengers again. So yeah, and superhero isn't a genre anymore, um, yeah. or at least it's a genre with many subgenres. So. You know, it's hard to say, you know, do I like Dark Knight better or do I like, you know, Iron Man better? Well, I, I will say, like, I think there's I think there's a a sort of uh, tone in these movies that tends to work best. And it's a little bit of action and a little bit of heroism and a, and a, and a healthy dose of humor. Uh, yeah. And other than the Dark Knight and a little Doesn't bit of the first well. Batman, it's it's pretty rough to sit through those other ones. You know, going to be a time, gr- grim and gritty Man of Steel which sequel. Is it, which is really interesting because, you know, and then at the same time, like some of the Green Lantern, I don't know, which wasn't cool enough. So they're, they're boring. Yeah, but I mean, there has to be something cool about it. And, and this was cool and it was funny and it was it was interesting. And 
Yeah, great movie. I, I like. I was. It was like a good movie. I told my. I told my wife. My wife was somewhere else uh, that weekend that I was, which is how we actually I got to go see it. And she went to see a movie on her own. And she's like, "What should I see?" And I was like, "You should go see X Men." And she's like, eh. "And then after she's like, I should have seen X Men." I was like, "I told you." Did you tell her <laughs> you and Jacqueline was naked in it. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's her thing. Maybe I don't know if you wouldn't one. know. The whole theater's thing, Josh. That yeah. I no. Thinking. I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> I, but well, I you mean, can play any day of the week, though. I mean, I'm I'm going to go for Michael Fassbender because you're gonna, sure. he's very you very can, handsome. You can listen to our X Men Days of Future Past show on the feed spot. It's two shows back. You can find me, Paul, and uh, I fanboy co-founder Ron Fa- Ron Richards making his return to the show talking about X Men Days. Did you say Past. Ron Fat? Ron Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who hates fat people, Josh. Email us at contact.fanboy.com or leave us a voicemail at 888-FAT-FATBOYS. <laughs> Call that. <laughs> it's a fixation. 2697. Which, you know, it's not so not, not true these days. Tell us who you are and where you're from and keep it around 30 seconds uh, for I work, I work that to get on the show. Fat boys. <laughs> Head over to ifanboy.com. It was a, dry, it was a, it was a drive-in uh, food place. It wasn't a bar. It wasn't a show. Show. <laughs> it was comment on this show. Talk about this week's books, or, or you can go back to the X Men show. And talk. It was about a performance venue. <laughs> Although, God. God. do you remember the Fat Boys, Josh, in the eighties? The They're moving on a long fat. What was that movie called? Boys. Delirious. Was it called oh. Delirious? They were no, in? that was Eddie Murphy concert film. Yeah, you're uh, right. It's called something like that. Of course, I, I remember the Fat Boys. They were yeah. they, they were or- orderlies. Oh, disorderlies. That was disorderlies. It. There you go. They were. They worked at a. Um. They worked at a, a retirement home. I believe they were crazy orderlies. I think I ever saw that. And I was. I was totally into mid to early eighties hip hop movies because I. That was the thing I liked when I was nine for some reason. This <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't have been able to watch Beat Street because it was. It was not a child movie. Paul, did you know the Fat Boys? Are you aware? Of the Fat I'm not Boys? aware of that now. Really? At all? Wow, we did it. We lapped him finally. There you go. Oh God! Next person in the script. Oh, I've I've lost track. Uh, follow the action on twitter.com slash ifanboy, which means that we'll post what the pick of the week is beforehand. We'll retweet some good things. Maybe maybe once in a while we even share a thought or two. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy as well, and we'll update when the show goes up and things like that. And you can find out what the pick of the week is beforehand. All that you can follow us on Twitter individually at uh, at j flanagan at cs kilpatrick or at fuzzy typewriter. I should really change the copy and follow the action. That one's my it, fault. It's 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 very much follow the action in a in a yeah. golden pond sense of. <laughs> hey, Ray Parker action. Jr. was in Disorderlies, Josh. He was he was pizza delivery man. Was that post? Was that post eighty four? Yes, it was eighty seven. Yeah, there wow, you go. He was, he was. I'm assuming by eighty seven he was cooling off. This the guy who did the Ghostbuster song. Yes, it was number one on the charts the day I was born. What? Wow. Okay. Oh. Finally. If you dig this sort of thing, you can write us a review in I iTunes. Talk- oh, wait, wait. I was talking about that soundtrack the other day because I got it and then I didn't know what anything else was on it. I just figured it would be an endless loop of Ghostbusters no, no. type songs. <laughs> There's actually some, some not bad songs. I had that on vinyl. No, I, I remember. I had the cassette. But uh, what is on the Ghostbuster soundtrack? It's all so, songs like that, from the you movie. Remember that like the movie that that like when when they're all the, the the town's turning, all the ghosts are coming out, and I've never seen it. I don't know. What? As an adult, I've seen parts of it. I've never actually sat down and watched the entire. Whoa! That is the. It's arguably the most important comedy of the eighties. Whoa! I don't think we can do another show, Paul, until you watch it. That's your homework for next week. All right. Should I do that? I'll watch Ghostbusters.
Yeah, I've probably seen like all of it just in the wrong order. Yeah, but it's you've got to watch it in the right order. You'll yeah. be impressed. It's it's very good. It's a very yeah, good. Know, there's there's ghosts and it's like, no, there's no. a marshmallow thing. Yeah. Finally, if you dig this sort of thing, write us a review on iTunes or better yet. You're a fan of Wes Anderson. Yeah. The man relies on Bill Murray. This is this is this is the error Bill Murray. It's true. This is, this is the, the error. Yeah. Well, that's just not true. It'd be meatballs. No, this is the Herbal no. Murray. Yeah, I know, but yeah, yeah. Stripes. stripes. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a progression. Good. It's a progression. I've seen stripes. Goes, yeah, that's goes, weird. I've seen goes, stripes, but I haven't seen Ghostbusters. It goes meatballs, stripes, Ghostbusters. So by the time you get there, like he is at his peak, and it's a, it's a. It's this a is like this ball. is like Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop. No. Uh-huh. After doing the Forty Eight Hours, I watched Forty Eight Hours recently. It doesn't hold up as well. Not as well. No. No. no, it's just, I mean, he's got charisma. He definitely does. And, Beverly and Hills Cop is still. Nick Nolte is uh, haggard. And racist. <laughs> really racist. Like, they don't really, really get really away with, with a lead character in a movie like that anymore. To just, no. call him, just to call him that right in the movie and then have it, them fight and make up. Because that's not very, happening anymore. Very uncomfortable. Although he does look really young, like, like Eddie Murphy, in a, in a way that I was not expecting. Yes. We have uh, 1,016 iTunes ratings, ratings, and we still have 719 iTunes reviews. No new iTunes reviews this week. If so we, people don't want Josh to leave. If we hit 2,000, no, is it 1,000 iTunes reviews? Yeah. Then Josh That's the next out. one. Then Josh is out. And then if we hit 2,000 iTunes ratings. 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 I don't even want to do that anymore, but I can't help it. It's like 94. 94. <laughs> Or I would, can we continue time. to talk about long 80s movies? Because I would do that sure. for another two hours. Sure. You know what I watched that was great? And I, uh, Night Shift. The, oh my the, God. The, Michael the, Keaton. Michael Keaton, Ron Howard. Isn't that, really? else, isn't, no, isn't Fonzie in that? Yeah. 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 He, yeah. Plays the up, he plays the uptight guy who works at the, is it the morgue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Like, it's I, a I really got it. a good movie. I had it sent to me on disc from Netflix because I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I wanted to, and, and like, it, like, That's the movie like, that made Michael Keaton a star. Yeah. Like Lindsay and I watched it. It holds up perfectly well. Really interesting. Really Shelley Long as a hooker. <laughs> which was, doesn't make sense. I was going to bring no. up Pump Up the Volume, but that's 1990. So, Yeah. Oh. It was shot in 89, I guess. That's Christian Slater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Christian Slater. It's yeah. no Gleamy McCube. Who was on the Today Show recently and mentioned that he would love to do a sequel to Pump Up the Volume. I'm sure. Where, where he's just like some pathetic guy who's still working in radio. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier in terms of Breaking Bad. The more I think about it, I don't think I want to pump up the volume sequence. No? I don't know if I really need to keep the regular one around. I don't know if that's a thing. I own it on DVD. Really? Yeah. What 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 it, what caused you to do that? I, I caught it on TV on like a Saturday afternoon, and I was like, this is, I'm enraptured. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's fine. Should we should we add this segment regularly? I guess what we'll I think I think that's pretty much everything I've got. So, <laughs> all right. So until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I am Josh. Nothing Are clever. You? Yeah, I'll go with that. Tennessee.